Chapter 28. Listening is the Key. The opening quote for this chapter is from St. Hususius of Jerusalem. The eye of the silent heart will see into great depths, and the ear of the silent mind will hear untold wonders. Early in my training as a coach, I found myself preoccupied by the need to come up with brilliant insights for my clients. I did this to enable my sense of self-esteem as much as to serve their needs. Instead of showing up empty and without expectation as we were trained to do, I wanted to say clever things and was always looking for some insight that would blow my clients away. Then one day James said, Gary, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Boy, did that sting. Not only did it make me ultra self-conscious about my patterns to seek validation, but it also invited me to settle down, drop the tendency to validate myself at the expense of others, to just observe, and just listen. So, I listened to what my client was saying, to what was going on in the environment, the responses I felt in my body, emotions, and thoughts. I simply said yes and accepted everything that arose in my experience and just hung out without any need to make sense or meaning about what was being said or how I felt about it. If my client stopped talking and I had nothing to say, I would invite them to continue, to clarify some point, or I would sit there in the silence with them. The point is, I learned to listen to whatever showed up in the moment, trusting that doing so provided me with the guidance that was most appropriate for the situation in which it arose. If nothing surfaced, it was to nothing that I listened to. From doing this, I discovered how a simple, faint, even casual observation could become a powerful revelation to another. I also found that listening to nothing could be the most powerful thing two people could share. Because of this insight, I chose to be still, which taught me that engaging guidance was 100% about listening to be here and not thinking, speaking, and behaving in an attempt to arrive there. So, what is listening? Most of us really don't know what listening is, even though it's the one thing we do all of the time. In truth, it is the only thing that we ever really do. As such, it is the one activity that is hidden in plain sight within all others and why when listening with our eyes, we call it sight. With our ears sound, our skin touch, our tongue taste, and with our nose, we call it smell. When we listen with our physical body, it is sensing, with our mental body, thinking, and our emotional body feeling. When we listen with our heart, we call it love. With our ego, fear, to the will of the people, justice, and to the laws of nature, science. But no matter what, listening is the key to everything we have come to know about our world. So listening is crucial to our relationship with life. Equally important is how we listen, because when we listen closely, we discover each moment has a triune structure of equal values, that is responsible for providing us with the guidance we seek. To listen well, we relax our intention, our activity of arriving, so that our attention is free to notice what is normally naturally present. This is what the practice of silent prayer and meditation do. They evoke a condition of not taking, chasing, getting, or grasping, but of receiving instead. There is less tension in this, which allows us to receive freely whatever is available in the moment. When we do this, we are able to observe three equally important structures. Number one, 
we notice that we did not create what just now arrived in our experience. It could be the next breath, the breeze on our cheeks, our next thought, mood, or another's expression. Regardless of what we receive, the first thing we notice is that what just now arrived is a gift. Receiving the gift is the first part of listening. Number two, we notice the gift informs us about itself and the emotional quality of our relationship to it. The breath becomes long and deep, the breeze warm, and the thought is about a person we know. The idea becomes an insight, the sensation, or hunger. Receiving information about the gift is the second part of listening. Number three, the information received inspires us to move or do something in relation to it. We might feel the impulse to get an apple, take a walk, read a book, or make a call. We might feel to do absolutely nothing. Even this is an action that is part of our receiving, informing, and inspiring that happens simultaneously on every level of experience. Receiving inspiration from the gift is the third part of listening. By paying close attention to these three, we will notice that the present moment provides us with everything we need to navigate our lives. From the very first impulse, the gift of the new moment provides us with the content of our now. Inside of this resides information about its content as well as our relationship to it, which reveals the emotional trajectory we are currently pursuing that tells us where we are, want to be, and the best path to arrive there. It is total, complete, and instantaneous. In this way, the present moment is the source, course, and goal of all our endeavors that seeks to guide us fearlessly by clearing the obstacles to our desires a little bit along the way. Have you ever wondered about your desires and why some are easy to fulfill and others not? I know I have, and what I have come to understand is that there is always something in the way, be it large or small, between where I am and where I believe I want to be. You see, desires are born from a sense of not being, having, or doing that simultaneously describes the goal, our relationship to it, and the path we must take to get there. But there is always something between where we are and where we want to be. If this were not the case, then our desires would be instantly fulfilled, and for the most part, this is not so. Sure, I can have a desire to scratch my nose, blink my eyes, move my arm, or walk across the room and can do so quite readily. But even when I do these things, there is something to be overcome, which is the space of moments and distance between where I am and the thing I want to do. This is equally true when I want to drive from my home in Colorado to California, where the desire requires that I overcome some conditions of time, space, velocity, and direction before I can arrive there. It's not instantaneous because there's a landscape that stands between where I am and where I want to be. In the same way, when the desire is to be happy, successful, healthy, and loving, what prevents our immediate fulfillment is the fact that there are some obstacles in the way in the form of the self-limiting beliefs we practice that have structured the desire and the distance in the first place. They may not be measurable in physical space or time, but for certain, that is what's in our way. In fact, we couldn't have a desire for a thing unless this was the case, because the desire is only possible when we notice that its object is not present. So, in the same way that we must overcome or come over obstacles when wishing to arrive in California, so too must we come over the stuff inside, where what's in the way, so to say, is the obstacle that clearly defines our way. Another way of saying this is that what's in the way is the way, which also means that there's always a path through from where we are to where we want to be. 
but in being faithful to the process of accepting what arises in each moment, we actively participate in bringing to the surface the very thing that has kept us and our desires apart. For this reason, every time we pursue a new one, so too do we begin to uncover our current relationship to it. Sometimes the path is already clear, while other times we bump into the obstacles that suggest we can't achieve it. It's not that those obstacles are there to prevent our progress, but they are there to inform us of the terrain that needs to be traversed. Then with each step we take, as the scenery changes, a new perspective emerges about the goal, path, and the obstacles that yet remain. Finally, we can tell a lot about our obstacles by what comes to the surface of our experience, which is actually the process of releasing the very things that are in the way. The good news is that we don't have to decide which obstacles need to be addressed and in what order. The present moment is skilled in letting us know their correct priority, so that all we need do is notice, acknowledge, and accept them. But the choice is always ours to make. From our place of free will, we may either remain steadfast in our resolve to accept what has arrived at the door even until the 11th hour, or we may deny it. Anyway, if we give up along the way, we only delay what we will need to do later. So why put off till tomorrow what we can do today? It is through these three elements that our guidance comes every single instant and nowhere else, whose wisdom is revealed to the extent that we faithfully notice without judgment, acknowledge without condition, and accept without attachment. We do this for the simple reason that every moment we ignore our gift of the moment, we distort its operation until the time comes when we later need to accept it. There is no escaping this. In recognition of this truth lies our responsibility, because the fears that yet plague us come only to our address, to the front door of our house, where we alone make the meaning of our life. So when we listen well, what we are actually doing is letting them in, all of them, with a grand and gracious entry. Once inside, we turn to face them so that we may quietly ask what is true about them and what wisdom they have for us. Then we fall silent as we listen for their answers to, what am I feeling now? What do I know is true now? What do I feel to do now? This is how we invite troubles that have been born of our mistaken beliefs about the past and future into the true place of the present moment. The present moment is the only place where truth may be known. In this way, what was once a mistake reveals its truth, which miraculously dissolves our ancient energy of fear, freeing us to remember both our power and will to set things right. In light of this, the purpose of being human, of our Humanity Inc., is to listen to the guidance of each moment so that through acceptance we free ourselves from the patterns of fear that plague individual and collective life, thereby transforming our world not just in belief or principle or theory, but in reality as well.